Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Dragons. I am your story master, Scott Riley. Wow. I have my whole party with me here today. We'll start with Jason. Say hi, Jason. Hello. Uh, Sabine, say hello. Howdy. Tusk. Hey, everyone. And Isby. Howdy, ho. Eugene. Hello. Uh, hello, indeed. Uh, Oz. How's everyone doing today? I'm okay. How are you? Doing well, thank you. You're welcome. Did I forget anybody? I don't, nope. think, I, I don't think I forgot anybody. All right, so let's take care of one house cleaning item. Uh, lifting objects, just for future reference, is based on 30 times your strength. You can lift 30 pound, 30x your strength. If you're large, it doubles. So Oz, your powerful build, which makes you a large creature for lifting things, you can lifting, lift dragging, and carrying. Right, you can lift double what a normal person would be able to because you're large. Correct. Alright, any questions before we do the intro? Didn't we just do the intro? Uh, the, the, the word intro where we... The recap, let's call it that. There you go. Cool. When we last left our heroes, it was with heavy hearts. Although they achieved their first victory, there was no sense of triumph in it. The events that took place in a cave led to a series of desperate actions and the loss of a friend. An initial inspection of this cave suggested that goblins were hiding from un some unseen danger. No sooner had they deduced their plight than a scream could be heard and Foyna was gone. The party gave chase to whatever had their friend, only to encounter monstrous bug-like creatures, their bodies a grotesque display of nature's power. Through teamwork, they overcame their enemies and continued on the path looking for their friend, only to come across a dead end filled with many holes. While frantically trying to come up with a plan, Logan heard what he thought might be the boy, Clay. Upon further investigation, the party found what could only be described as a horrific creature eating the child. Through somewhat stupefied conversation, they learned that these creatures are known as Nantu, and were sent here by a great mother to deal with some endbringer. Things go even further south, but the party recovers the boy's body and makes a hasty retreat, sealing off the entrance to the cave. Before departing the forest, Logan says a small prayer for his fallen comrade, and everyone heads back to the farm. Alright, so you guys just left the edge of the forest, and if you want to head straight for the farms, you're going to have to camp overnight. What do you guys want to do at the edge of the forest? We can't move further away from the forest, or... Yeah, you can head right back to the farms, I'm just saying it's going to take a day. Um, I'm... I'd like to take a break and go to sleep. This was a lot to deal with. We can't do it at the edge of the forest. We, we gotta move out a little bit. That's fine. I think we, we could all use a little bit of rest, though. Uh, sure. Let's rest up, take a short rest, and then we should be able to make it to the last place we camped before we actually lay down and rest our heads for good for the night. Sounds good. Very well. Good, because I need to sit down with a pint. We, we, we don't have any alcohol on us, Sabine. Can I roll to see if I have a flask? I mean, you don't have to roll. Would Sabine have a flask? Most definitely. All right, you have a flask. You, you may retort Logan if you wish. She, like, pats her... Her waistline pulls the flask out from 
I always carry a bit of good luck with me. And takes a sip and keeps walking. Okay. Uh, Logan's just going to ignore. He's he's pissed. So everybody takes a short rest. If you want to roll hit dice, go ahead. Otherwise, the rest is uneventful. You start heading away from the forest. Again, no interesting thing happens on your way to the campsite that you previously used. And it's still in pretty good condition from when you left it last. You guys arrive there right about nightfall. All right, let's let's set up camp. Uh, I'll go. I'll be on the first watch, and then I I want to. I have the boy's body, right? Yep, you do. Uh, I'll go over to Oz, and Oz, you wouldn't happen to have a sheet or cloth or anything on you, would you? I have a blanket. We could wrap the body in. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. That's I'll good. uh. I'll take second watch, and I'll I'll get started on these tents. Thank you. All right. Uh, assuming nobody else does anything, Oz, you have no trouble setting up the tents. In fact, you you do quite a good job at setting them up. Logan, do me a favor and roll perception for your first watch. Yep. Give me just one sec. Oh, just one sec. Perception. Yep. I'm a 15. Okay. You notice nothing interesting as it's pretty much prairie and plains. You can see quite a far distance and nothing seems to approach the camp the entire time you're there. Cool. Oz, you're on second watch? Yeah. Alright, roll perception as Logan goes to bed and you come up for the watch. Uh, 15. Mm-hmm. Again, Nothing interesting seems to happen, and you have such a large line of sight that nothing would surprise you if it did come close to the camp. And then I assume you go to sleep? Uh, yeah, unless there's no one to take the third watch, I'll stay up. And I'll take the watch. Thank you. All right, so who's taking third watch? I can take it. All right, Isby, roll me perception as you sit on a makeshift sack where Oz was sitting and look out into the horizon. Ten. Again, nothing exciting happens. It's a very peaceful night. You go to sleep and everybody wakes up in the morning to the sound of rain. It's not hard or wild. It's a soft and steady rainfall as you all begin to rouse from your sleep. Uh, Logan's gonna get up and He's going to, in the, in the rain, he's going to uh, take his coat and his tunic off and, like, fold it up and uh, just pray in the rain. Okay. Praying for anything in particular? Just a little bit of guidance and to kind of just wash off the, everything that's that's happened. Fair. Roll uh, charisma. is a 19. Okay. Once again, just like at the edge of the forest, you are comforted by the rain. It seems to wash off more than the bloodstains and soot and dirt from the cave. Cool. And then he'll, after that's over, he'll put his stuff back on and start packing up. Anybody else? 
Yeah, I think I would just be quietly packing my stuff. Mm-hmm. Packing my stuff up, but crying a little bit, <laughs> whimpering about everything that's happened. Don't worry, no one can see your tears with the rain. <laughs> it's a good day for rain. Yep, it is a very good day for rain. Alright, so... Uh, we wouldn't see him whimpering? We wouldn't see him crying? Uh, I don't know. How loudly are you crying, Eugene? Kind of trying to keep it to myself along the lines of... <laughs> so as the... Sabine turns to the group. Is no one going to talk about what happened? Or are we all just going to ignore that point is dead? No. <laughs> I believe everyone's mourning in their own way, but if you want a discussion about it. I just feel like we could have done something better. There was a missed opportunity of some kind that could have prevented him from dying. I've ran through the events in my head a few times. I'd be willing to hear your suggestion. No, oh, I don't have any suggestions. She's just trying to spark conversation. Fair. I think we all know this just kind of goes with the territory and with the job. I hate to see a good companion down. I think we all do. <laughs> Sorry, Poida. And I'm just going to kind of keep crying and sort of rest my things together. Watching Flayna, I mean not Flayna, oh rip, rest in peace. Uh, watching Eugene cry, um, Logan's going to walk up to him and like in front of him and put his hand on the back of his head so that Eugene's looking at him and just look him dead in the eye and say, this is what you signed up for. Good people die all the time. I can't have you in there in a fight panicking like you did. Get it together so we don't lose someone else. And he'll go and pick up the body and start heading up, heading towards the farm. Fuck. Alright. That was real. Yeah, that was, that was intense. Alright, so uh, everybody follow Logan? Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. You guys make it back to the farm, and it's still raining. You see Elderman Nito at the cluster of houses between the two pens where the animals are kept as you approach from the south, or the north, my bad. What do you guys do? Uh, we know what house he lived in, right? Yep, it's the one in the front of the cluster nearest the animal pens. Grabbing my shovel. You got a um, shovel? I'll start, I'll look at the group. If anyone wants to come along, I'm gonna deliver the body and give them the bad news. I'll come with you. Okay. Right. Yeah, I'll tag along as well. Thanks. And then I'll, I'll start walking towards the hospital. Okay. Sabine, do you stay back? No, I'll tag along as well. Alright, so everybody's tagging along. We're all going. You guys, sticking, oh, go ahead. Sticking you. with whoever is shoveling. I think Oz just grabbed his shovel. He's not. Oh, just okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not not shoveling yet. Gotcha. Okay. You must declare shoveling as an action. <laughs> all right. So you all approach the cluster of houses, and as you do, the house with the unlocked door, you see a woman run out and attempt to grab the 
the cloth clay's you know the cloth clay's wrapped in as she's weeping terribly. I'm gonna let her put her put it in her arms, but I'm gonna help her bring it to the ground. Okay. Uh, look up at her. We. Your son fought to bring those cows back. There was just nothing we could do. We got there too late. But the thing that got him won't be a problem for much longer. She's too overcome with grief to say any words, but you can see from a slight nod and her wiping her tears away that she's truly grateful for what you did and understands that if there was no way to save him, there was no way to save him. At this point... Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just want to look at her. If, if you would let us, we'd like to help you with the burial rites of your son, if that's okay. At that point, Elder Manito comes over and says, Well, we, we have a tradition for a funeral pyre. You're more than welcome to stay and you know, participate in the rites, but we don't bury our dead here. Uh, I understand. Uh, well, I'll help you, and I'm sure my companions as well will help you collect firewood for the pyre. Give the lad a proper send-off. Oh, indeed. Assuming no one objects, everybody collects firewood for about an hour to make a three-foot by three-foot pyre. Oil is poured over a couple of dry sticks that have been left inside the house to get the pyre going. And as they put clay on the makeshift wood stack, Nito says, Clay was a good boy. He was one of the best of us. He knew that a hard day's work was its own reward. Nothing will ever replace him or make what happened fair. But we can move on with our lives thanks to this closure. Let's continue to live our lives to the fullest so that we don't disrespect Clay's memory. And with that, the mother and father of Clay light the pyre and it sets off. After a couple minutes of silence, Elder Manito comes over to the group and says, I really appreciate everything you all have done and hands each of you 11 gold as a reward. You know, you're always welcome here at Milk and Honey Farms. Don't think you have to have a job to come see us. Um, I'll take my, my bag of money and my reward or whatever it is, whatever it is and I'll hand it back to Elder Manito. Uh, this is for the family. Make sure that they get whatever they need and hopefully they can still live off whatever wages they've lost with this for a little while. He, yeah, uh, when I see that, I'm going to hand my 11 gold back. Eugene does the same. His bottom lip quivers at your generosity, and he's just so overcome with gratitude that he doesn't have words. And he just bows his head silently. I'll go back. Um, it was a pleasure meeting all of you. If you ever need, your, need help from us, just you know how to get in contact. We do, and we appreciate it. We'll call you if there's any more trouble. Trust me. Um, one thing. N- never mind. It's stupid. Anyways. What is we're, it? We're gonna... We heard some strange noises from the well. Um, it sounded some other like some other noises we heard in the cave. Uh, you might want to block that up. Alright, we will. We appreciate it. Also... If you haven't had anyone on watch, I would post someone and then double that posting. 
We, we did that as soon as Clay disappeared. We started doing that, but we appreciate that, that advice. We will. I'll give him one more bow and then um, give my condolences to Clay's parents and then leave. I will. Take care, everyone. All right, and everybody leaves. I'm gonna head back to the city. All right. I'll make sure everybody, the group's got everything they need. Everybody else head back to you. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, you all go to the city. It's about midday when you enter the west gate near the guilds district between Lake Town and the city. What you do? Do we head back to the guild or? I really don't know protocol. Nope, the job's done, right? We should let Volk know that we've returned. And Fixstar. Uh, and Fixstar, yeah, agreed. Alright, let's... Let's go. You all make it back to Omni Repair roughly half an hour to an hour later, and as soon as you come through the door, you see Fixstar and Volk standing next to some documents on the left side of the hall where all the monster heads are. Fixstar notices you enter and says, Ah, welcome everyone. How was your fir- Your first adventure? Where's Foyna? He's gone. Hmm. You see Fixstar's face get more serious than it's ever been before. What do you mean he's gone? There were monsters, and he didn't make it. We found the boy, but he didn't make it out. Where's the body? We couldn't recover it. As soon as he hears you say that, Eugene, he heads for the anything door and doesn't say a word to anyone and slams it behind him. Volk, at that point, kind of shrugs his shoulders and says, Wow, guys, rough first day. You should have seen these things that killed Foyna. They were terribly disgusting. What were they? They they called themselves the, well, the one that could talk. Called itself a non-tuke. Uh, never heard of those before. What what they look like? They had many eyes and big pointy pincers. So they were bugs. Giant bugs. Uh-huh. You... They're making weird pincer motions with their hands like a crab dance. And you guys lost these bugs? I'm confused. There were hundreds of them. Billions! Billions. Billions. One of them spoke common. Ah. And, and could perform magic. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of have to believe you, but... That sounds so far-fetched. No offense. Uh, none taken me. I have no idea what things were. It's at this point, you hear the door open, the anything door open, and Fixstar is sporting heavy armor made of a lot of interlocking pieces. A shield is on his back, and an intimidating mace is on his belt. And he just kind of waltzes over to all of you and says, This is too much for your first week. We're not going to do any missions. You all are going to take a week off and mourn. 
Do you understand me? Yes, we appreciate, we appreciate that. He reaches into his belt pouch and hands each of you 25 gold. I don't want to see any of you here for a week. Go and rest. I have business to tend to. I'll be back. Okay, Arnold. All right. Arnold? <laughs> I'll be back. I'll, I'll get to the alpha. I'll swing my mace. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> Logan, eat the cookie. <laughs> yeah, Logan, eat the cookie. So, when this happens, Volk kind of like extends a hand as a, a lover would watching a, you know, someone leave. Vixtar, where are you going? I'm going to get Foyna's body back. And he just storms out the door. Uh, I'll, I'll run out and be like, before you go, they're, they're called the non-Tuk. Or at least that's what they call themselves. He stops dead in his tracks, turns to you, Logan, and says, the non-Tuk? You... Saul the Nontuk? Don't lie to me, Logan. He's there not were, lying. There were hundreds of them, and one, one of them could do talk. One at a time, everyone. Logan. One of them could talk, and I don't know, it looked like it could do magic. Eugene would know better than me, but there were hundreds of them. Eugene? Eugene. Counterspelled one of my spells, and... Uh, said something about the bringing of the mother. Hearing that, you see Fixstar, his face just kind of turns whiter than normal, and he sits on the stoop of the steps and goes, The Nontuk aren't supposed to be real. They are not real. And after a second, he seems to gather his resolve again and says, You all, rest. I'm going to look into this. If the Nuntuk are real, we're in grave danger. And he heads off in the direction of the gate to Lake Town. Well, I guess we rest and mourn. Yes, I'm going back to my... going back to my room. As you start to leave... Volk kind of goes, man, what a fucking day. Anyways, you guys should come inside. Let's talk about what you're going to do. What, what do you mean, what are we going to do? I thought we were instructed to rest and mourn. And not show our faces around here. And, okay. Logan, what are you going to do for a week? And who are you, like, you barely know this city, right? Yeah, Volk. I barely know the city. But I can train somewhere, I'm sure. You can, and I'm offering help. I will take you to someone who can train you. Whatever makes me stronger. Whatever makes me be able to protect my friends more. Alright. Sabine, what are you going to do? Well, it's a time-honored dwarven tradition that whenever you're in mourning, you go out gambling and drinking. So that's what I'll be doing. All right, what do you want to start with, drinking or gambling, or both? Why start with one or the other when you can do both simultaneously? All right, if I may make a suggestion, Sabine, you might want to go to Enzo's Tavern if you're going to do both. 
You could also go to the Loot A Lily Bar in the Quill District. If you really want to get into high stakes gambling, though, go to Peregrine's Vesper or the Treasure Chest in the Market District. And he kind of scribbles a map out really quickly and hands it to you, Sabine. Now, there's only one question I have here, Volk. Oh, man, just one? Wow. <laughs> Which one has the most gorgeous wenches? Uh, probably. It's very important. Well, so, I I mean, Enzo's Tavern has the most foot traffic. Lutalili Bar, though, is kind of for nerds. It's in the Quill District. Peregrine's Vesper is a really hardcore thieves' den gambling site, and the treasure chest is not a metaphor for hot women. It's literally a gambling den. So I don't know what to tell you there. What are these business owners doing in Nightvale? They don't understand. I I assume that you're going to show them the way, Sabine. Apparently I must. And she kind of like turns around. All right. At that point, Volk turns to you, Isby, and says, All right, what can I do for you, Isby? What words of wisdom can I provide? Mm, mate, how about we talk last? I, I have a specific request I'd like to discuss with you, since you're a little more knowledgeable about this town. Okay. Eugene, bestest buddy, what do you want to do this week? Well... I just don't want to be alone, but, um, if what, after what Logan told me, if there's a way that I can conquer my fears, magical or otherwise, that's also something I'd like to look into. It's at this point that you hear the anything door open and see a new figure that none of you have seen before. Jason, would you like to describe your character as you walk through the anything door? Uh, so walking through the door is a half-orc that stands about 6 foot 8 inches tall, weighing roughly 17 stone, or 240 pounds for those who prefer that measuring method. He's kind of lean, but large as a mountain. Has a bit of a dead body going on. Dead body clad in <laughs> Clad in chainmail of passing quality, covered by a fine bright blue tabard with the symbol of a black mountain that the tip has been broken off of. Strangely oriented around his shoulders is a hood, hoodless black cloak that you actually recognize as a large war banner with a bright blue dragon in rampart, in rampant, emblazoned on the left side. You see that he wear, wears a well-made, if simple, pair of slacks with fine boots and a fine leather belt and bulger. On all of his clothes, you notice at the bottoms are frayed a little and everything's covered in road dirt. From the belt, you see a longsword in keeping with the rest of his motif. With a simple but elegant and useful scabbard filled with a very similar steel sword. His skin is leathery and greenish brown like he's been left in the sun for a few days too long. And his hair is, is full but streaked with gray and white. Finally, you rest on his cloudy gray eyes that look like they have weight behind them. But at the corners, you catch the impression that he's always kind of smiling at you. We well, you paint a picture, buddy. Am I interrupting? Oh, yeah. I totally forgot you were here. What was your name again? You remember. Don't play with me. 
Gunnerman, you know it. Gunnerman? Yeah, Gun Dragon Banner, as if the banner didn't make sense. Oh, you're right. Anyways, Eugene, you said you wanted to not be alone, right? Mm, yes. So, Gunnerman was supposed to be part of Zeta Team, which we're still assembling. Uh, but since Flynn's gone, maybe you could show him around a little? I I could absolutely do that. All right. Well, one of the best places that you should take him, and he starts to draw on a map, is Azure Haven, and he hands it to you without giving you any further explanation. Uh, oh. So I just take the map. All right. Got him. Go with Eugene, and watch your back. He's shifty. To ever me. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, Volk, Volk winks at you, Eugene. I wink back. All right. Uh, before that continues, all right, Oz, what are you going to get into this week? I'm going to need to know where the libraries are. Volk starts to pat his non-existent shirt, reaches into the only pocket in his leather pants, and pulls out a really crumpled piece of paper. Again, scribbles a map and says, Why? I mean... There are a lot of libraries in the Quill District. What are you looking for exactly, Oz? Whichever one has the most information on, say, fiendish rituals. Oh, okay, you want the archives. And he continues to draw on the map, hands it to you, and it looks like a child's drawing. All right. Everybody know where they want to go? Oh, Volk, one more thing. Oh, man, of course one more thing. What? Being a man of many talents, you can get me in touch with Stylus, correct? St Stylus Kettleborn? That'd be the one. Uh, I... No! He's the Grand Archivist! Are you crazy? The best I can do is to tell you to ask somebody at the archives? Maybe they'll send a message? <laughs> He's well, like... I have to say, I'm disappointed. I know. I'm disappointed every day, too. Not sure about Just what. Just one of the though. caveats of knowing you, I've come to. Uh, caveats? He looks Thanks at you curiously. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, Logan. Before we go, Isby, what did you want to talk about? Well, I think by now you've probably assumed that coming here, my primary objective wasn't necessary to look for work. I am. Looking for a specific person. I had no idea. Oh, well, now you know. Cool. Uh, I just wish... No, I just don't want the rest of the group to think that I don't have their backs, because I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. However, my primary objective in being in this town, I'm looking for a family member of mine. Uh, this was his last known location, and... Based on the research I've discovered so far, I believe him to be deceased. So if I was going to look, I've already encountered your uh, gravekeepers here in town. Mm. Tumba, he was here recently. No idea who that is. I mean, but you're aware of the gravekeepers, correct? Yeah, sure. They bury dead bodies. You see them yes, all the time. Yeah. So do you know if they keep any kind of records? Ah, uh, maybe. You could always go ask a gravekeeper. Hmm. Where's the, I guess, where's the best place in town to look for those? 
uh, I'll be honest with you, if you're just looking for any gravekeeper, you walk around long enough, you'll see one burying a body. If you're looking for a specific one, you should probably go to Enzo's tavern and ask him. Enzo knows fucking everything. Gah. Then I think I'll head there as well. All right, all right. Well. And I'd, uh, you know, appreciate you having my back and your discretion with uh, my my other motives for being here, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I mean, you live your life, Isby. You go get your dream. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, you have a good time. Logan, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's let's go Volk. Cool. All right, so the way we're going to do this is we're just going to go in order. And Logan's first because it's the most direct. So Volk starts heading towards the edge of the guilds district near Lake Town and is kind of humming mm-hmm. to himself as he goes and doesn't check to see if you're following him. Do you follow? Yeah, I'm following him. Okay. After a short walk... You come up to a building where Volk stops and says, Ah, there it is, the guild's guardhouse. And it looks like a military bunker. A short wall of stone in a square with a metal domed roof and a single flag sticking out of it with the emblem of Night Vale on it. You notice a smaller emblem in the corner of the flag, which is an isosceles trapezoid made of two black stripes and three yellow stripes. The entrance leads, or Volk kind of like, pushes through the entrance and you notice lots of guards giving him an eye but not stopping him and he walks into this guardhouse do you follow him uh yeah i follow him okay he walks up and you enter through the door to see a large circular room that looks like a pretty standard barracks there are a lot of beds and weapon racks and one desk right in the center of the room with a giant stone column behind it and Volk kind of walks up to the desk and says, Ah, John, how you doing, buddy? And you can see the guard roll his eyes, very annoyed. What do you want, Volk? I, uh, was just wondering if Neela was in. Of course he's in. Who's this? And he points to you suspiciously, Logan. Uh, my name's Logan Stormblast. Uh, I'm one of the new recruits to Omni Repair. Mm, that's a lovely story. Volk, why is he here? Well... I just figured you guys aren't doing anything important, so maybe one of you could train him. So you want to go see the head of the guard in all of Underfoot to ask to train one of your newbies? I mean, yeah, does that seem unreasonable? He kind of, the guard looks at you, Logan, for confirmation that this is a crazy request. Uh, I would, I would actually like to train with the best if I could. Again, the guard rolls his eyes, and you see Volk flash a hundred gold on the tabletop, and the guard picks it up before anybody else notices, and says, I assume you're going to want to take the express? Yeah. Logan, how good are you with nausea? Okay. I did grow up in the spire. I mean, with the waves crashing around us all the time. So... Cool. So... At this point, you notice the guard turn around to the giant stone column behind you and press nine different stone panels that seem to sink a little bit at his touch. The order seems random, but a large doorway slides to the side and you see a single metal pole that leads down this column. Volk jumps and goes, and you lose sight of him as he falls down the hole. I'll take a deep breath and then I'll jump. 
Okay. You grab the pole and slide down for what seems like a too long of a time before you see the bottom. It's illuminated and a small doorway appears for you as you reach the bottom. Volk is sitting on the ground right outside of the doorway, panting heavily. <sighs> What'd you think of that, buddy? That was fun. Uh, thanks, I guess. I mean, that was a hundred golds worth of fun. You'd think you'd be a little more grateful. I'm grateful, Volk. It's... I, I get a lot on my mind. Remember, one of my companions died not more than a day ago. Day ago. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting that you guys have only been here for like a week. My bad. And so at this point, you get a look around, and it's a, another circular room with three large steel doors. One of the doors is double wide and splits down the center, and Volk starts heading towards that one. Come on, Logan. Uh, I'll follow. Okay. He pushes the door open, and you notice a small anteroom that is just covered in pedestals with small glass figures on it. There's a single carpet that leads towards another door at the end of the room. And Volk turns around to you and kind of puts his hands out and says, Be very careful. Neela doesn't like people touching his glass shit. Uh, then I'll be super careful to watch my spear and shield just to make sure I don't bump into anything. Good. You make it to the other end of the hallway, and for the first time ever, you see Volk knock on a door. I take it this guy's important? I mean, not so much important as a rage machine. And at that point, you hear a booming voice, Yeah, who is it? And Volk kind of pushes the door open, and he goes, Here we go. You come into a small office, which is roughly rectangular 20 feet by 20 feet. Weapons are displayed on the wall, and they are glamorous weapons. They're some of the finest weapons you've ever seen. Several bookcases are filled with files and paperwork, and in the left, uh, on the left of the office is some fancy furnishing. To the right, isolated in the back corner, is a magnificent stained glass sculpture of a dragon sitting next to a dwarf hammer hammering on an anvil. You see a squat dwarf sitting behind the desk with short gray hair, an eye patch, and a scar that divides his face diagonally. He turns from what he's doing and says, Well, 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 if it isn't little Volk, what are you doing here? Ah, Neela, it's great to see you. Yeah, it is. You want to come here and give me a hug, boy? No, no, no. I, I'm good. I just wanted to bring by one of our new recruits, Logan. This is Neela Nara, head of all the guards in the Underfoot. Say hi, Logan. Did, did you say his name is Nilo or Milo? Neela. Neela Nara. N-I-L-A. N-I-L-A. Thank you. That yeah. helps. Uh, a pleasure to meet you, sir. Well, you'll change your mind real quick about that. Volk, what the fuck are you doing here? I, like I said, I just wanted to bring by this new recruit and, uh, you know, ask you to train him. <laughs> You're kidding, right? I'm kind of busy. Well, that's fine. Just make him train with somebody else. <sighs> um, excuse me, sir. I, I know it's rude to interrupt, but... I just lost one of my companions. I, I need to become stronger so I can prevent that as much as possible. I, I'll train as hard as you need me to and do whatever you need. I'm from the Storm Tribe from the Spire. I'm used to getting my ass kicked and handed to me to become as strong as I can be. You notice at the mention of the Storm Tribe, his eyes get a little wide, and he starts to scratch the bottom of his chin, and he says, Well, 
I didn't think you were much coming in, but if you're part of the Storm Tribe, that might be useful. All right, here's the deal. I'm too busy to train you, but we'll put you in the bullpen with one of the boys, and you'll train for a week. No complaining. Yes, sir. No complaining. All right. Well, get the fuck out of here. I'm tired of looking at your ugly ass. All right, Mila. Great to see you. Logan, don't die, okay? Uh, I don't expect to. Well, okay. And with that, Volk kind of leaves. Nilo continues to write in his notes for another couple of minutes. After that, he closes the folder he's working on and says, All right, boy, come here. Let's go to the pin. All right? You go back outside of the antechamber, back outside of the antechamber, and he says, What do you think of my collection? It's beautiful. Uh, Some of the uh, lightning back home hit sand and would turn turn into uh, lightning glass. Hmm. Abstract sculptures. I'm about it. Anyways, so, you want to train. What specifically are you looking to improve? I took kind of a beating. Um, I'd like to be able to build up my constitution, always my strength. Um, to be strong is how we win. Just those two mainly. Hmm. Well, work with work on my spear work, my shield work. Now that we can do. You look pretty strong already, but I can see where knowledge of combat would help. And he kind of waves over to a guard. I can get over here. And a very, you know, tall human man comes over. I can meet Logan. He extends his hand and tries to shake your hand. I'll shake it. Cool. Igen, nice to meet you. Uh, Logan, pleasure. Igen, enough with the formalities. Get him in the bullpen and train him for a week. Don't let him rest until he's learned a maneuver. You understand? Yeah, Captain, I hear you. And Nila goes back to... Excuse me. Nila goes back to his office, and Igen invites you to the other door in the circular room. Yep, I follow. Okay. You go in, and it's basically a dirt pit. It looks like it was dug out of the ground. There's a small tile arena in the center with dirt surrounding it and a bunch of weapon racks. And Igen says, All right, Logan, let's start training. Yes, sir. All right. And uh, I'll just look up and be like, uh, Hey, the storm is watching over me. You're going to do this for a week in the guardhouse with no communication with anybody else. And you will earn a battle maneuver from the battle master tree. You can pick one battle maneuver. Happen, you can only use it once per long rest, all right? Okay, cool. All right, Sabine, you want to go next? Sure. All right, so Sabine, you leave Omni Repair, and where do you head? to Enzo's. Okay. You get to Enzo's relatively easy. You know the way since you've been there before. And it seems pretty calm inside. Enzo, the barkeep, is polishing glasses. And there are a couple of people in there drinking individually. There's one group of people in the back that seem to be playing some kind of dice game. Sabine walks up to the bar and nods her head at Enzo and kind of has a seat. Looks at him and says, Enzo, 
I could go for a fine pint of whatever it was I had last time. At that, Enzo nods and goes to the same barrel you saw before and fills up a glass with the dragon's breath mead you had before. He sits it down and goes, Looks like you had a rough day, Sabine. I am not one much for talking about it, so... If you could leave me to drink in peace and maybe uh, tell me a little bit more about the dice I hear rolling in the back of the table. Mm, okay, well, it's called Fireball. Do you want to know the rules? Is that it? Well, yes, I don't know that I'm familiar with that one. But most importantly, is there any money on the table? Or is this a clean game? No, it's not a clean game. This is Enzo's Tavern. And it's five gold buy-in with a 25 gold pot. You play three rounds, and the way you do it is you roll a certain number of dice, depending on how lucky you feel. You hide them in a cup, and then you up your ante based on what you see. You can bluff, you can lie, whatever you want to do. Once everything's done, you show your dice. Whoever has the higher wins. That sounds like a mighty fine game. She picks up her tankard and takes the whole mead down in, in one fatal swoop, and then puts it back down and says, I think I'll be needing a fresh beverage before I walk over. At this point, Enzo kind of just shakes his head and grabs a glass that's about three times the size of the one that you currently have, fills it up, and says, Try and make this one last at least a couple of minutes, Sabine. She does the little finger guns, gives him a click of the tongue, and says, <laughs> Thank you kindly, Enzo. She picks up her mug and hops down without spilling any, and uh, walks over to the table where they're playing dice. All right, you walk over to the table where they're playing dice, and you notice three human men in commoners' clothes. They all look at you for a second and go, uh, the, the one that seems to be in charge of the whole thing says, You want to buy in, Dorf? Aye, I do. She throws five gold on the table. You know the rules? I'll pick them up as we go along. I I don't know that I've ever played this one before, but I'm sure you boys will be more than helpful. The man nods at that, kind of perplexed that you don't know the rules of the game, but you're willing to buy in, and hands you the change in silver for your buy-in. So you now have 50 silver instead of five gold. And he gives you a cup and says, do you bring your own dice or do you want to use one of ours? Oh, no, I have me mother's dice. They have a lot of good luck in them. And she pulls out her, di- her, her dice from her, her belt pouch. Mind if I inspect those? Aye. She hands in the, the six, or the four die. The six, the six. The six die. The D6. She hands him the D6. She gives him the D. She gives I give him the, the D. D. He rolls the D6 a couple of times and says, Okay, these are good. You can play. Sit down. She said. Alright, so the man that seems to be in charge rolls his dice. One second. And looks up at you and gives you a very devious grin. Oh, Dorf, you're going down. Roll your dice. And so what you need to do is Oz, Fireball's 68 or 8d6? 8d6. Okay, Sabine. Grab 8d6 if you have them. Otherwise, just roll a d20. And I'll roll a d20. I mean, we've got Dylan's chest of dice here. Cool. 1, so, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Here. 
Seven. I don't like the metal ones. They're bad luck. Seven. Those are my dwarven dice. How dare you? Well, let me use Sabine's actual d6. Alright, here. Alright, hold on. Are you ready for the sound of this roll? It's gonna be epic. I mean, I'm ready. Take it, thank you. All right, so don't tell me what the total is. The man looks up at you as you roll the dice and says, You feeling the heat yet, Dorf? He says what? You feeling the heat yet, Dorf? I'm from the mountain, boy. There's nothing but heat. Ooh. And then he slides ten silver into the middle uh, of the table. Uh-huh. And says, all right, I say ten silver says my fireball beats yours. You don't want to play this game with me. And she she throws the same amount of silver down. All right. And then, and then winks. He goes, all right, show him. And he lifts up his dice and the total that you see equals 30. Okay, hold on, I have to do that. <laughs> Add him up. I'm going, I'm going. Oh my gosh, I can't. Uh... Don't die. Sorry. 43. He kind of. Do you say that as Sabine? Oh, sorry. <clears throat> well, sorry, laddie, but that doesn't beat my. And she, and she, like, rolls her. pushes her dice out with her hand. 43. The two guys sitting at the other end of the table both whistle. And you see a really, like, mean look on the guy's face that you just trashed, and he goes, Alright, round two. Let's make this interesting. I enjoy interesting things. He waves at Enzo and says, I'll take a, I'll have a pint. And Enzo brings him over a pint, and he says, Every round we drink. You in, Dorf? Aye. Alright, he slams back his mead and drinks it down in three or four seconds and and does not pass out and kind of looks at you as he wipes some of the liquid off of his face and goes, alright Dorf, have a drink. So she still has her three times large, larger than life mead. You do. Roll d20, see if she can take it down in two swigs. Alright, constitution check. Well, it'd help if I got it in the tray. 17. Wait, is it a saving throw? Yeah, it's a saving throw. Oh. 19. So you swig back this giant mug of mead, slam it on the door, or slam it on the table, and again, both of the humans on either side go, you can see a sort of nervousness in the man who challenged you as he realizes he may have made a mistake. All right, Dorf, roll your dice. And he's gonna roll them. <laughs> What's your passive perception, Sabine? Um, it's not good. 10. Okay, you don't see anything. He looks at his dice and he smiles as he kind of lift the cu- lifts the cup up and says, 40. Uh, math again. 
she uh, lifts the cup to look count her dice, and she counts them once, and she counts them twice. She says, 35. Ah, I knew it. You can't beat me. And he kind of scoops the silver that you just claimed back on his side of the table. And he goes, another drink, Enzo. And this time Enzo brings the same size mug that you had and says, fair is fair. And the man kind of looks intimidated at the drink and tries to down it, but can't get it in two gulps. It actually takes him like five or six. And he, he doesn't pass out, but you can tell that he is severely inebriated. And he kind of looks at you and he goes, okay, Dorf, go ahead and drink. Uh, same size mug, she'll roll for, roll for badassery. Do it. It's a saving throw, right? Yep. Nine. So you get really drunk, and your passive perception goes down by two, and you have trouble sitting in your chair. But at this point, you hear the human man say, All right, Dorf, last round. All the money on the table, and he just kind of like shoves it into the center and falls and hits his face a little bit, but gets back up and recovers. She points and laughs. Fair. And then he goes, Are you in, Dorf? She says, My name's not Dorf, it's Sabine. All right, Sabine, roll the dice. And he is. Oh, Bubby. <laughs> Why do you make me do so much math on a Sunday night? It's good for you. Said no one ever. <laughs> what was his number? So he looks at his dice, very unconfident, and then throws the cup off and says, Ha ha, 35. How much? 35. She lifts her cup up like kind of shy, like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. And she says, C-A-D-A-S-H, Kadash, that spells winner, 45. And at that point, the two other men at the table go, oh, Sabine, (laughs) Sabine, Sabine, Sabine. And they order you drinks and try and drink with you and talk. The man across the table kind of slumps in his chair and passes out from alcohol. And I become their leader. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far, but they do try and buy you a couple of drinks. And now I've started again. (laughs) Now I have underlings. You also have an extra five gold. Cool. So you drink for a couple of hours, I assume? Oh, yeah. And have a lot of fun uh, times with these humans. You get to know them. And if you really want to know them, I'll send you some details about their history. Otherwise, after about a couple of hours of drinking, you feel a hand on the back of your shoulder. And you hear a, boy, the good Sabine, it's good to see ya. Do you no, you can't do that accent. Why? It's better than mine. Oh, Okay. It, trust me, it's going to suck here in a I second. You, I told you she would say that. No, it, it'll be fine. Boy, the good Sabine, it's good to see you. How are you? you? Does she recognize this person? You kind of do, but the alcohol has made it a little difficult for you to, like, you, you see a dwarf in armor that is flecked with gold. His hair is blonde, short, and curly, and he seems to know you very well and goes, 
Do you not recognize me, Sabine? Did you hit your head? It's me, Grieg Battlebarrel. And he pounds his chest and goes, I'm your commanding officer from the Golden Company. Sabine kind of like teeters left and teeters right. Oh, yes, Battlebeard. What are you doing here? <sighs> he kind of rubs his furrowed brow and goes, Sabine, it's Battle Beryl. Beryl, why can you never remember my name? Because you've got such a stubby little beard. You're a shame to the dwarven people. <sighs> I missed you too, Geralt. Anyways, what are you doing here? You left in such a rush, you forgot your armor. I'm obviously winning. She, like, really is drunk, so her accent is terrible, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking all these stupid humans for their gold, because they don't know where it came from and how to appreciate it. Me armor, you said. Me armor. Me armor. Is that the, is that the black set? Yeah. Or the gold set? The black set. The one you spent five days in the deep gathering materials for, and even longer crafting it. How could you forget your armor? And what made you leave so fast, Sabine? Amberstadt's not the same without you. I had things to do. Things, you say? Things that make you leave your golden company? I never left. I just had to follow a call. A call, you say? Well, I say we talk about it over a pint. What do you say? As long as you're buying, because I'm not giving you any of my winnings. You didn't help. Ah, never change, Sabine. You're the always going to be the same bonnie lass I love. And he waves over to Enzo the barkeep, and Enzo brings you two more meats. She pats Enzo on the shoulder. You're a good man! Oh, and she, man. like, pats him on the shoulder, and it kind of slowly goes down his arm because she can't reach all the way. Right. Enzo looks at you, kind of concerned, and goes... Sabine, don't get crazy, okay? I won't be breaking nothing today. I'm a winner. Do you see all my gold? And she kind of holds out her purse. Put that away, lass. And thank you, Barkeep. Let's talk business. What kind of business did you bring with you? Well, I'm slightly concerned your armor's not here and you're not wearing it. I'll have to check on the way back. Unfortunately, I've got some business with the king. He's hired the Golden Company for a job. Very hush-hush. I'm slightly concerned about it. King sounds like it'll be a good pay. You have no idea, Sabine. What are you doing for a week? For a week, you say? That's how long the job's supposed to be. Ah, uh, no, I don't know, Battlebeard. Last time you told me it was going to be a day or two, and we were gone for a year. Sabine, Battle Barrel. Battle Barrel, why can you not say my name right? Why can't you just enjoy your nickname? Jeez. <sighs> so, I may have stretched the truth a wee bit when discussing our last job, but this one's legit, Sabine, I promise. What kind of details can you give me since it's so hush-hush? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. We need to go and talk to the king himself. Aye, and how far is it? To, to the king? You're serious, girl. You've been here and you don't know where the king lives. Well, I've been here 
but I haven't really been here. There's a great little place around the corner that does quite a breakfast. It's this tiny little hobbity, hairy-footed sister brother. They cook really well. Copyright infringement. Halfling. What? <laughs> uh, Sabine, you're, you're thinking about eating right now. I'm telling you, there's a job with a hundred gold in your name if you come with me. Well, all you had to do was tell me the price then. I'm telling you, a hundred gold for a week. Come on. All right, all right. I'll be, I'll be there. Just let me finish me drink. Okay, so you two drink into the wee hours of the morning talking about old times in Ambastat, the dwarven kingdom to the west, and you wake up with a very horrible hangover. I assume that you, you know, drank to passing out. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Nope. You wake up on Enzo's table uh, a week later, and... You notice two things. One, you don't have 100 gold, but you do have a strange uh, water skin that you're not sure mm-hmm. what it does. You also have a note in your hand. Do you read it? Yes. It says, Sabine, thank you so kindly for being for volunteering to head and plan this, uh, the winter festival for the Market District. We'll be talking to you soon. Love, Edmund. That's weird. Don't like that. Sabine looks at the note confusedly and looks around for Battle Barrel. You do not see Creek Battle Barrel anywhere. You only know that a week has passed. You have a strange water skin and uh, a note that says you're apparently planning a winter festival. And she shakes her head and kind of holds it like you do when you're hungover. And she says, what did I do? <laughs> All right. So that's your week. You good? Yep. Ah, is you ready? Yeah. You leave Omni Repair and I assume head towards the Quill District. That being where the archives are, yeah. You make it to where the map suggests you go and you come across an imposing building right on the main street of the Quill District. It's hundreds of feet high and resembles an old cathedral with complex arches and buttresses pouring out of adjacent structures attached to the main thick rectangular building. The large metal door looks like it could have a grand carriage go through it without needing to open the second half of the door as it splits down the middle. What do you do? You have made it to the archives. There's no discerning sign in front of it, but you know this to be the archives. I walk inside. So you get to the door, and it does not budge for you. Hmm. Turn my head, look around, see if there's anyone in the vicinity. Uh, There are people walking up and down the street, a couple of guards, some merchants. There's no one standing by the door, or...? No. Alright. Excuse me. Yes? One of the guards turns as you ask him something. Uh, The uh, archives, they're not open to the public. Yes, they are. Did you knock? knock onto the door you knock and the door kind of reverberates at your knock and you see a small boy open up these large doors and come out and 
look at you, tilt his head a little bit. Right, Lou there. He waves at you, not saying anything. May I come in? He nods and kind of gives you a signal to follow him. Yeah, I'll cross the threshold. As you cross the threshold, you enter a large hallway that's 50 feet wide and over 100 feet tall. You, as you walk down the hallway escorted by the small boy, you notice large doors that punctuate bookcases that reach up to the ceiling of this cathedral-like building. And there are more books in this one hallway than you thought were in the entire world. The boy doesn't say anything to you as he continues to take you towards the center of the building. Gotcha. Oz's eyes kind of go a little bit wide in bewilderment. Continues to follow. Okay. You eventually reach the center of this long hallway and you see a large circular desk with small boxes placed what looks like intentionally across from doors that are on the other end of the room. And you see a smug youth sitting reading a tome in a chair that appears to roll as he doesn't get up to approach you. The boy is human with charcoal hair and very tall. He extends a hand and he says, Regis, Regis Trar. Who are you and what are you doing here? Pleasure to make your acquaintance, Oz, at Meta Holmes. And I'm here to research a particular subject, looking for information on uh, rituals of a fiendish, demonic, devilish nature. Hmm. Why? Peace of mind, really. That seems fair to me. And then he rolls his chair to the other side of the circular desk and starts combing through one of the boxes, picking out small cards left and right. And he says, do you have an author that you'd like to look for the rituals, or just any books on rituals will do? Uh, Let's go with most renowned and most obscure. Hmm. Most renowned, we'll go with Skomi Ilyer. And what was the other one? Most obscure. That's what it was. Most obscure. For most obscure, we'll use Giddenbaum. And he pulls two cards out of one of the boxes and he says, Come on, follow me. He kind of closes the tome, which is quite hefty, and starts carrying it with him to the door on the opposite side of which you came in. Basically the other end of the building. You follow him? Of course. Okay. You notice he's not wearing any shoes. FYI. He makes it about halfway down the second hallway, turns right to a door, opens it up, and he says... These are all of the ritual, you know, summoning sections. Here is your identification number for Skomi Ilyer's Philosophe Munday. You are in volume 23, I believe, but if it's not 23, it'll be 22. And, and for the second person, you're just going to want Demonic Rituals and Me, volume one. Thank you. The boy kind of bows as you say thank you and says, if you need me, I'll be in the front and takes his leave. You are now in this side room that has similar bookcases, ladders, and desks. It looks like a library. Oh, excuse me, as he's walking back. Yeah. Would you happen to know any way of, or know anyone that could put me in contact with, uh, Stylus? Stylus Kettleborn? That'd be the one. He kind of leans in and looks at you, looks up at you. You want to get in contact with the Grand Archivist? Grand Archivist? I think of him more as a friend, really. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Do you have tea with him quite often? Yeah. Actually. <laughs> I'm sure you do. And he says, I apologize, I apologize. 
I will go talk to one of the scribes and see if Stylus is in. You don't think he's taking your request seriously. It's fairly obvious. Remember, Osmond met at home. Oh, I, I won't forget. <laughs> Osmond, I'll let Stylus know you're here. Good kid. <laughs> and then I'll go grab the books. Okay. So the books are not difficult for you to find. You find one at the very top of one of the bookcases. It's covered in dust. This is Scomi Ilier's Philosophe Mundi, Volume 22. It looks like an encyclopedia in the fact that it has several sections on different subjects, but a chapter on demonic summoning rituals as a general practice. You also pick up the second book, which is lower on one of the bottom shelves. It looks more freshly used, as it is not dusty. And tell me what you want to gain from these books. Just looking for, I mean, if ideally it would match up exactly with what I remember seeing, but just looking for the nature of such rituals, the certain kind of sigils or sacrifices required for varying different types, and Good go from a broad spectrum and try and work my way into trying to figure out exactly what we saw in the caves. I like this detail. Do me a favor and roll an investigation check as you start to peruse through Scomi Ilier's Philosophy Munde, trying to pick out some of the details you remember in the cave. It's going to be a 13. Damn, bro. Yeah, you got it. Uh, so the first thing that you notice is it dis uh, one of the chapters discusses similar runes that you saw in the cave, and you know that this ritual that you're looking at specifically requires large amounts of blood. You can put two and two together that the cows containing a large amount of blood were the necessary components for the ritual. All right. Roll me another investigation check. Okay, slightly better. It's going to be 17. A couple of hours goes by as you find references in both of these books for other ritual tomes. You pick up another one and find out that the casting time for this ritual is quite quick. If you have all of the components, it only takes a couple of seconds to summon the demon. That's required. You also notice that based on the way the runes were carved out into the stones, that this was trying to, the person who was doing this ritual was trying to do multiple simultaneous summons at a time, rather than doing one individual one. Would, would you like to know more? Uh, yeah, I'll spend some more time. Cool. Roll me another investigation check. Hot damn. Not that 20. Cool. You find a chapter that you've been looking for for hours that gives you the exact name of the ritual and the type of demon trying to be summoned was a bearded devil. You know this to be a reasonably, you know, a lesser demon and that summoning multiple of them was a very ambitious and stupid course of action. It most likely took more than one person to do the ritual. Alright. Alright. This has taken you the better part of the day to collect all this information, and you hear a knock at the door. Yeah, I'll go ahead and open it. Okay. A very sullen uh, Regis comes in and says, I, I, I really apologize, Mr. Metterholm. I, I, I didn't know that Stylus actually knew you. Well, you should make less judgments about someone's character. I, I, I know. Um, he's currently away on business, but based on what one of the scribes said, he knows you want to see him and will be available next week. Perfect. Thank you, Register. Okay. He bows and kind of excuses himself quietly from the room. 
Yeah, I'm going to put the books back where I found them. Alright. And then make my way up. Okay. You leave the archives. The small boy who you saw originally helps escort you through the hallway to the door and closes the door behind you. You are now in the main street of the Quill District with a lot of information about the ritual and uh, a tea date with Stylus in a week. Gotcha. I attempt to give uh, the boy a silver. He takes it and smiles at you and tucks it away in his scribe's robes. Excellent. And then from there it would be rest and then going out to the uh, surrounding area, like the farmlands of around Lokoran, to try and ask for any specific, uh, suspicious groups that might have been seen heading in or out of the forest, possibly repeatedly. Okay. So you rest for a day and nothing exciting happens. You feel well-rested when you make your trek out to the farms. What do you want to ask farmhands specifically? Give me, give me details. Gotcha. If they had seen any groups of humanoids possibly lurking on the outskirts of town, moving in and out of the forest, uh, potentially, I want to say, scouting out the farmlands or... Mm-hmm. So you go to several of the farms, unless you want to go to Milk and Honey specifically. The other farms will just cut through them really quickly. Nobody's seen or heard anything suspicious, and they're all quite shaken by the news of what happened at Milk and Honey Farms. This That never happens in the farmlands. Gotcha. And I'll also ask if anything else has grabbed their interest as of late. Any other strange happenings, possibly to people disappearing or... Yeah, okay. just people disappearing. No. From everyone you ask, no one's disappeared. Again, the event that happened at Milk and Honey Farms is an outlier. It's usually quite peaceful. They, you do hear a story from two out of the three farms as a common legend that the last thing that happened was about ten years ago, and it was a dragon that came to try and eat the livestock of some of the farms. But that was the last interesting thing that has ever happened, or that has happened on the farmlands. Um, and then last thing I'll uh, head back and for the rest of my days just catch up with Eugene and I guess um, the new individual before you leave the last farm that you go to one of the farmhands thanks you for what you did at Milk and Honey Farms and hands you a magic ring thank you very much I, uh, part of how I feel uh, my duty to protect this area but I I do appreciate your offer. Take care, and if you do need anything else, please put in a request and could ask for myself personally. The farmhand nods at that, and you exchange conversation that suggests they're very confident that if any problem comes up, the Omni Repair will be the first they call, and they'll specifically request you. Do you do you try to identify the ring? Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Roll uh, Arcana check. Or, his, or history. Wait and, I'll wait until I get caught up with Eugene, because he might be able to help me. Okay. Well, we'll do Eugene and Ghana. Got a way that might burn some time in the in the city. Are you not going to go to Azure Haven? I am, but I got something else I want to check out first. Okay, so Oz, you're going to head back and try and meet up with Eugene, and we'll we'll roll that into about halfway through Eugene... Eugene's yeah. montage. Okay? Alright. So assuming that's good. 
Eugene, you are now with your new best friend, and you've been told that if you want to relax and kind of deal with the PTSD of losing Foina, you should head to Azure Haven, which is on the map. Mm, hello, Ganem. My name is Eugene Brunkle. It's nice to meet you. Likewise, Eugene. Have you ever been to um, this Azure Haven place, or how, how long have you been in Nightville? A day. And what brings you here? I'm on a long walk. Uh, trying to do what I can with my time left. Ooh, your time left. That sounds brooding. Um, are you hungry? Uh, there's a, a good dumpling place where I'd like to check up on an old friend. Oh, I'm always hungry. And I didn't mean it to be ominous. I'm just old. Oh, fair enough. I um, slap him on the back and start, like, leading him in front of me to show me where to go. <laughs> so I'm going to lead Ganem towards, back towards the market district to Sylvia's dumpling stall. Okay. You make it to Sylvia's dumpling stall, and the stall is there, but Sylvia is MIA. Is there anybody there? Not at her stall, but there are stalls around there that have cooks doing their thing. Is there anything like a bell I can ring or <laughs> like try to try to get somebody to come out and give us some dumplings? Yeah, there's a bell on the cart, but the cart seems closed. Like it, the, there's nothing cooking or there's no ingredients on the cart. It seems not abandoned, but like it hasn't been used in a day or two or a day. Hmm, this is quite odd. There, uh, I had a friend who worked here, and I was hoping we could get some dumplings from her, but it seems she's uh, not around. Is, is there anything that you particularly enjoy uh, having for lunch or dinner? Food, mostly. Mmm, food. Mm-hmm. Broad spectrum. Not that picky. Uh, anything around here tickle your fancy? I'm a little concerned about my friend Sylvia. I'm sorry to hear about your friend Sylvia. But in the meantime, I take a big whiff in the air. Does anything smell particularly good around me? Mm-hmm. You smell a grilled meat stand about three stands or three carts down that is sweet and tangy just from the scent in the air. The amount Ooh, That's of... the one. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's go get something to eat. So I think we'll head over to the uh, the sweet and tangy meat stand and stop and get something to eat. Okay. You see an old man kind of shaking as he's slicing up large steaks and slathering them in some kind of sauce and flipping them on a grill. What'll it be? Hello! We'll have uh, some of that food that you have there. My mesquite steaks? Yeah, one second. And he flips two of them over. How would you like them cooked? Mm. Very, very well done. Bloody for me. He nods in approval at bloody and kind of shakes his head in disapproval at well done. All right, one second. And Ganem, yours is up first. He plates it as a master chef would with garnishes and drizzling sauce in an artistic fashion on top of this barbecue steak for lack of more refined terms and says, I'm excited to see what you think. 
I'm excited to think it. <laughs> start digging in. As you start to dig in, he goes, oh, oh, that'll be five silver there. Oh, sorry, right. Yeah, I reach for the silver. Mm. And this will be on me, and I, I'd pay for the, the stakes for both of us. He accepts the silver very happily, and at this point, your stake is done, Eugene. He doesn't plate it nearly as beautifully as Ghanem's steak and kind of just tosses it on the counter towards you. He says, enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> so I'll, I'll start eating and talking to Ghanem about uh, kind of getting him up to speed about what's been going on with the rest of the team. Uh, so uh, after explaining how we ended up down in the cave, I'll kind of get to the point like, so once we were down down there, we and I'm just kind of word vomiting to him at this point, not really <laughs> get a word in edgewise. That's um, fine. I'm just happily like slow chewing my steak, listening. Gotcha. So we were down there, and um, I was I was asked and kind of put on the spot to uh, try to help solve the situation, and I I did what I could, but I panicked, and I don't think I I. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't read about any of this at any point in time. I, did, I wasn't really sure what to do, and I, I froze. And I, I feel like I, I, I could, I could have saved him, but I didn't. And I just, I'm really. It was a lot. Oh, and you, Eugene. Uh, about about four hundred and fifty. Lucky for you, I grew up with elves. Know a little thing or two about how much time you take to consider possibilities. You have all the world, all the time in the world to live. And that's been Mistakes one of happen. my... It's okay. One of my hang-ups that uh, some people I've tried to to get to know don't really have a whole lot of patience for me to make a decision. Lucky for you, I've had a lot of children that don't really? patient. Really? How many, how many kids do you have? What are they all about? They're at home. They have ten children. Wow. That's so many. I mean, not quite as much as my father and mother. They had twelve. Good for them. Wow. <laughs> I I don't have any siblings. So uh, I hear that. I feel like you might be missing out on something. Yeah, like, so... Bit of wisdom, Eugene. Don't read so many books. Can't live in them. And that's why I'm here, trying to rectify that mistake. Don't call it a mistake. Just call it a misstep. Trying to rectify that misstep. There you go. Progress already. <laughs> so at this point, Eugene's feeling like really good that he's having a having a moment which he's been striving for, and that's helping pull him out of his depression a little bit. So I guess next he'll ask. So, um, Ghanem, you've 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 been around for a while, right? I've something I, that hangs me up is that since I haven't spent too much time out and about in the world, is I'm afraid. I'm afraid of a lot. Alright, we'll pick one. Let's pick one and we'll talk about that. Well, I'm I'm afraid of being attacked. I'm afraid of 
not nobody me putting myself out there and nobody nobody wants to nobody wants to be my friend all right well let's start with the first one about being attacked because you gave me two when i asked for one we'll start with that a little more wisdom you're gonna get attacked gonna happen the only thing you can do is trust the people around you I come from a people that settled down after being nomads. We were attacked. We did what we had to. We built walls. The walls weren't really to keep people out, but to keep out the dangers. Keep a barrier. Do the same thing. But, can't build walls to keep friends out. That's a problem. On to the second thing, I guess. Maybe you need to let your guard down to the people that you want to be your friends. Keep it up against the people you don't. That's insightful. Good, because I thought I was just making it up. <laughs> so I'm going to try to clap him on the shoulder just like he clapped me on the shoulder earlier. and Probably not very gracefully. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> Um, you know, so, I'm, I'm not as old as you are, Eugene, but uh, we have works tend to live hot and fast, as they say. Indeed. Nearing the end of my days, so just take for granted that it's the mileage, not the years. Well, all right. So I'm going to, I think I'm pretty close to chewing through as much of my steak as I can stomach after I had him burn it to a crisp. Right. You know, you shouldn't get it well done. It makes it harder to chew and look gristly. That's just where you went wrong. You kind of yeah. see the old man in the cart shake his head yes as he continues <laughs> to cook steaks. And yes, I, I, grandfather knows. So I'll kind of gesture towards him and just check in real quick and ask, uh, excuse me, sir, have you uh, seen anybody over by the carts recently? I had a, a, a the dumpling cart, I'm sorry, I had a, a friend that worked over there. Oh, you mean Sylvia. Yes. I haven't seen her all day. She's usually here in the morning. Hmm. And I'll kind of uh, lean into Gonham and say, that might be worth looking into a bit later. She's a nice girl. You sweet on her? No, she's just, she is sweet, but that's not really uh, my angle. She just, she seemed like she might have been in with the wrong people. Oh? Yeah, I got a, got a little bit of a, a vibe that she might not be able to say as much as she would have liked when I got dumplings from her a few days ago. Man, that's all kinds of complicated. Yeah. Well, you know, trying to meet people, trying to help people. So I guess we should uh, start back on our way if we're if we're finishing up here. Yeah, I'm I'm done. It's great. Thank you, grandfather. Oh yeah, you guys have a good day. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess we'll start back on our way towards. The Azure Haven. I, I can read what's on the map, right? Yeah, it just looks like a very silly child's drawing, but it, it is detailed enough that you can follow it through the market district to this place called Azure Haven. 
Nadra Haven is a, a district in and of itself, or it's just like a building? According to the map, it kind of looks like a cul-de-sac in the market district. Again, the details are a little hard to tease out what it is exactly. Volk just said, hey, if you're upset, you should go here. All right, so we'll uh, just kind of follow the map as as far as we're able to go to, to get to the Azure Haven. Okay. You make your way through the market district, weaving in and out of alleyways and side streets until you finally come to a series of buildings that have a tunnel built over them. According to the map, you go through that tunnel, and as you come out the other side of that tunnel, you lay your eyes on what some would call the embodiment of peace and tranquility. Before you is a rounded cul-de-sac. Tightly packed buildings create its perimeter, and on each of those buildings is a mosaic of flowers. The center of the quarter is made up of concentric circles outlined by short stone walls. Everywhere on the ground you can see blue tiles punctuating the stone floor, and they seem to mimic clouds in an abstract way. From where you are, you can read Azure Haven on a small statue in the center of the smallest circle. You are in this what seems to be gorgeous and relaxing place. There are a couple of large signs on buildings on the other end of the cul-de-sac, and the statue in the center is just out of sight outside of the sign that says Azure Haven. There is more to it, but you can't see it. Okay, uh, I'm going to do a quick arcana check to see if this uh, overall sense of relaxation is um, magical in nature or just people are feeling relaxed. Roll it. 14. You feel no magical presence. This just feels like the calming, you know, allure of a field of flowers. The aroma is quite pleasant and sweet. And everybody seems to be having a good time walking around, talking, enjoying themselves. Okay. Um, Eugene's super, like, suspicious of everything now. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm tightening up. That's <laughs> on my advice. Uh. Um, so I guess I'll just, uh, whoever the next person walking by is, stick my hand out and go, Hello, I'm Eugene Brunko, looking for a place to relax. Do you have any idea where we can go? Okay. As you extend your hand, a small drow woman with honey hair and a blue dress smiles and puts her hand out. Daphne, nice to meet you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is this is Ganim. Um, oh, sorry, I was I was I was phased out, man. Um, this, this is real nice. We've got some some time off from our uh, from our employer at Omni Repair, and we're looking for a place to maybe decompress a little bit. Oh, then you want to go to the Blue Rose? And she points across the cul-de-sac to where you can clearly see a sign that has a blue rose embodied on or emblemized on it, and the words "Blue Rose Inn." She goes, "My mom works there. Do you want to come with me?" Mm, sure. Um, any objections, Gannon? You're leading the way. All right. So we'll follow Daphne towards the Blue Rose Inn. Okay. As you cross the cul-de-sac, the statue in the center becomes visible to you, and you notice that it's the statue of a halfling. You read the name Brillin Fiddletwigs, and it looks like the halfling is laying in a bed of flowers laughing at the sky. It's made of pure bronze. Very nice statue. Spared no expense. Hmm. 
That's a nice statue. Oh, thanks. Nice do, you, do you know about Brillin? Nope. Oh, man. He's the reason that Azure Haven even exists. Neat. Yeah. He worked very diligently on being able to grow and breed exotic forms of flowers. This whole place used to be run down and dilapidated, but because of his work, we are able to live here in peace and happiness. He's a hero. Where is he now? Well, unfortunately, due to the chemicals he had to use, he kind of went crazy and said he had to talk to the Queen of the Dryads in Lokeron. We haven't seen him since. Oh, no. Well, at least he leaves behind a beautiful legacy. Mm-hmm. Hey, Eugene. I kind of yeah. whispered to Eugene. Yeah. Wasn't that, wasn't that the place you guys were? Lokeron Forest? Yeah, that one. Yeah, that... Yeah, we, we went by there. One mm-hmm. second. If you guys want to keep this from her, you need to roll deception or stealth. Alright, I'll go with deception. Yeah, de- I think deception's the way to go. Any uh, any qualms with deception? No, other than it's covered by charisma, I got a minus one, but that's life. Oh, but I rolled a 19, so 18. She doesn't. Well, I didn't help. I only got an 11. <laughs> she doesn't hear it. Hey, Eugene! <laughs> <laughs> So you guys make it uh, across the cul-de-sac as you have this conversation and appear in front of the Blue Rose Inn. Daphne at this point says, well, come on, let's go meet my mom. All right. She opens the door and you guys come in to see behind the blue entrance door is a small but open lobby. A large desk is sitting in the middle and flanked by two staircases that lead to a row of doors. Behind the staircases are small lanterns and two more doors on each side of the room. Daphne kind of invites you in and says, Mom, these are two guests. You notice a drow woman standing at the desk, silver-haired and in a very fine purple dress, very upscale. And she bows very formally but doesn't say anything to you. I bow my head slightly in return. I'll do my... My thing. Mm, hello, Eugene Brunko. What's your name? Atna. It's a pleasure to meet you. Will you be staying with us long? Uh, hey, Ganimal, will you be staying with them long? I mean, we're just here to, like, relax a bit, right? Yeah, we're here to relax a bit. What? How, how long does it take to relax? How long would you say? Well, I would suggest you enjoy the spas. Three days of rest and relaxation. The spas, you sure. say? Yes, the spas. Well, we have men's and women's spas, as well as well-furnished rooms for you to sleep in and rest. Uh, and what's what's the cost difference between these spas? Well... Or, sorry, the rooms and the spas. It's three gold a night to stay here, and you will have access to everything in the inn. Does that include any therapy? Uh, <coughs> no. I apologize, we're not qualified to do that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure this will do. All right. So, I give her, I slide three goals across the counter. So you're going to stay for one night? No, I'll stay, I'll, I'll give her nine goals. I'll stay for three nights. And you? She looks at you, uh, Gautam. I'll, I'll give her a three. One night? Just one for me. All right. And she kind of claps, and you see Daphne come and hand you two towels and what looks to be bathrobes and says, All right, you two, go in the spa and relax. She points to the door to the left uh, behind the staircases on the first floor. Okay, I'll go in. 
you guys go inside and it's a men's bath. A large circular pool is elevated about two feet off the ground by smooth stone. Columns periodically sit on the rim of the bath and in the center is a fountain that seems to be coming from a hole in the ceiling. You smell lavender and cinnamon and it's a really potent smell. Like it's overwhelming a little bit, but you're relaxed by the overall ambiance of the room. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. Alright. So, yeah, we'll obviously, I'll, I'll disrobe first. I'm not getting any of my armor. I don't disrobe, I get any of my clothes. <laughs> Alright, you guys enjoy the spa, and Eugene, you get to stay for three nights. Ganem, you stay for your one night. You feel incredibly relaxed after the one night that you spend there. And so, what we're going to do is kind of split here. I assume you're going to leave Eugene at this point. Uh, yeah, I think at this point he's going to go back to Omni Repair and ask what, like after his one night stay, and ask what our lodgings are, what the lodging situation is. So what we'll do here is we'll finish up Ganem, and then Eugene, at the end of your three-day stay, Oz is going to show up. Cool, yeah, I'm just hanging out with Daphne, making a friend. All right, Oz, are you cool with this setup? Yeah. Ganem, after your stay... <laughs> You want to RP saying goodbye to Eugene? Yeah, actually, I do. I'll, I'll try and find him, like, as he's on his way to the spas again. Uh, Eugene. Mm, yes? Since we're on the whole, you know, friendly advice thing, when you get into the spa today, you know, go ahead and take off your clothes this time. Promise you'll relax a bit more. I'm not going to be in there with you, but, you know, I... piece of advice. Damn clothes aren't fun. I understand. I I appreciate it. I'll, I'll I'll see you back at Omni Repair. I I need to take some time to clear my head with everything that's going. Hey man, you do you. All right, Ganem, you head back towards Omni Repair. As you enter, you see Volk in what you will eventually come to know as his customary position of napping with his feet up behind the desk and a magazine over his face. He is snoring very slightly. I'll uh, I'll walk up to the desk. No reaction. Volk. Mm, no, not... Time to wake up and go to school. No, not school. Please, Mom, I, I promise I won't set fire to the farm again. Oh, no. And he wakes up and he's like, God, what do you want? I'm just standing there, like, grinning like an idiot. Mm, can I help you? Yeah, so what's the lodging situation? Ah, you guys got a, a shanty in Molehole. You, you can't miss it. It's right in the open square. It's got a big symbol of Omni River. I painted it. You painted it? Yeah. I'm a savant when it comes to art, buddy. You mean like your map? I don't like what you're inferring. You need to hang out with Oz. You seem kind of rude. All right. It's been what? You seem kind of rude. Maybe Oz will, like, soften you up a little. I mean, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? I don't get it. Oh, well. In time. I doubt it. Take it easy. Go back to your nap. I will. And he instantly goes back to his nap. You know enough about the city based on Eugene's descriptions, the conversations you had, and your entry into the city. You know how to get to Molehole, and it's very obvious. I assume you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's glaringly obvious once you get to the main center of Molehole which shanty is the Omni Repair shanty, as it has a very poorly painted Omni Repair symbol on the front door. You also notice a somewhat fresh grave on the left part, or the left side of the threshold of the door. 
Does it look like a grave, like there's a stone there, or is it just like a pile of fresh dirt? It's a pile of fresh dirt, but you have enough battle experience where you know that very likely that is that is a grave. Something is buried under there that is the size of roughly a human. Strange customs, and I bet he built (laughs) himself too. This won't do. This won't do at all. A pig slept better. Yep, we're going to do something about this. So yeah, that's the intent. To try and fix up the shanty to be at least livable. Okay. Uh, give me three things that you want to do to the shanty. I assume they, they should be minor because you have no materials on you? Uh, well, I mean, if anything, I'll go try to get materials and acquire oh. them. How much gold you got? Uh, on? So the main, I got six left. Okay, six left. I'm going to say that you can get a reasonable amount of materials. What do you want to do? Uh, so the door, if I recall, wasn't great, right? Right. There's large holes in it, and it is not flush with the threshold. All right. So if we're going to fix the door, we'll try and at least square up the walls and maybe patch the roof and then the door. You're going to use your carpentry tools? Yeah. Uh, roll me a dexterity check. Add your proficiency. Uh, I don't know. I've never used them. Cody? Yeah. Oz, chime in, buddy. For a tool check? Yeah, it'd be whatever ability you want him to use. Okay. I would make the argument that carpentry is both dexterity and strength with a higher focus on dexterity. Alright. Well, you tell me which one you want. Let's do both. Roll me a dex check, add your proficiency. Roll me a strength check, add your proficiency. Add my proficiency. Dex check, add proficiency and strength. Yeah, so add your okay. add your modifiers from both strength and dex, and then add your proficiency as you're using tools that you're proficient in to help with the job that you're doing. Okay. All right, so the first one, so I get a plus three strength, I have a two proficiency, and a negative one dex. Then I rolled a nat 14. That's enough to do the repairs that you'd That's want to do. So you fix up the shanty to where you're satisfied. It seems much more livable now. If a strong bre- cold, or if a cold breeze blows by, the door will not creak and ache as wind comes through the top of it. So I'm gonna say yeah. that you spend most of your time gathering materials and doing that, and then head back to Omni Repair. Yep. After the week. Good All right. Night. Eugene, you're at your last day in the spa when you see Oz Metahome come in through the front door of the Blue Rose Inn. Oz, you are in the room with Eugene and Atna, who is at the front desk. Oz, what are you... you looking to relax? What are you doing here? Uh, I unfortunately didn't come here to relax. I came here to find you. Oh, well, you did a pretty good job at that. Here I am. Yeah, I uh, wanted to pick your mind about something. Pick away. I have this ring here. I'd like to see if you can sit down and help me identify it real fast. Hmm, all right. Well, what about it would you like to figure out? Um, so I would have used Detect Magic beforehand just to see if it was there, Scott. It, I mean, it is magical. Okay, so I would like to identify the arcane nature of it. And I figured you'd be the best person I know to help me with that. Well, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. Um... So Scott, you tell me what check I wanna you want me to do. Uh, so I guess 
I'm looking for what type of enchantment as well as if I know anything about the markings on the ring. Right, so what you can do is you can either choose History or Arcana. You can use Arcana to discern the nature of the enchantment or History to say, oh, this ring has these markings, it's this ring. Uh, let's start with History to see if I've read about anything on there before. I'd like to assist, and may Arcanus guide us, and I'll say a prayer and give you guidance. Ooh. All right, throw that d4, buddy, and roll with advantage. All right. So I'm rolling history first, right? Seems good. Uh, all right, so that's going to be a 19. Okay, so you get it right off the bat. You look at the runes that are engraved on the outside of the ring, and know this to be a ring of spell storing, but several of the runes have been scratched off, and for mechanics purposes, you can only store two levels of spells in it. Mm, so Oz, this is a ring of spell storing, but it's it appears to have been damaged. You will only be able to uh, store what looks like two spells in it. Oh, that's more than fine. It was a token of appreciation, so it at least carries sentimental value that way. Are, are you familiar with how to spell, store spells in it? Uh, yeah. I recite the incantation that I would wish, and then it stores the energy in the spell to be used at a later time, I believe. Very good. Just wanted to make sure that you knew how to make it work for you. Tell me, Eugene, how have you been holding up? Uh, well, um, the, the, our, the new recruit, uh, Ganim, he's, uh, actually a pretty insightful fella. He's been helping me through some stuff, but I've, I've really needed a couple days to clear my head, um feeling pretty bad about freezing up and not being able to to find our fallen comrade when he was when he was down in the in the pit so been needing to needing some some me time if you know what i mean no i understand tell me does it unnerve you at all that we only ran into goblins and those strange creatures that called themselves the nantuk but we also came across that uh, ritual circle. I didn't get that close a look at the ritual circle, but it, it was a bit odd that they would uh, inhabit the same cave. Well, it certainly wasn't the work of goblins. Probably a good uh, good point. You seem like you might have uh, some more to, to say about that. Have, have, you, have you found anything out that I'm not aware of? Well, it's not only that, but we shouldn't have been able to get into the forest of Lokeron without at least being stopped. So that's another thing that worries me. I also learned earlier that there was a Brillin, I believe, uh, an individual who disappeared there with the Dryads to work with the Dryads after he uh, used all kinds of different chemicals to make the Azure Haven what it is. Yeah. Don't know if that has any bearing on anything, but this all does seem a bit odd, especially for a first mission for us from Omni Repair. I think there might be more forces at work here that we're not aware of. You're damn skippy. <laughs> yeah, that's at least what I'm beginning to try to put together. I did learn that it seemed as though whoever was attempting those rituals were trying to bring some lesser <laughs> demons, but a little higher on the hierarchy, from my understanding, into this world. Do you know specifically which type of demons? Uh, bearded devils. Ah, blood summoning. It's at this point, for the sake of time, you hear from the other hallway, Eugene, it's time for your bath. And we're going to cut the conversation there as we need to move on to the last person. All right, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Isby, you ready? I'm ready. 
We, we rewind a week from everybody else's adventures. Volk has told you that Enzo's Tavern is a solid place to gather information and that you probably can find a specific gravekeeper if you ask around at that tavern. All right, so I'm heading to Enzo's. You head into Enzo's, and Sabine is playing dice at the edge of a table, or at a table in the back, and Enzo is polishing a glass while there are a few patrons drinking. Okay, I'm going to come in... uh... I'm going to have like a scarf over my head. I'm gonna try to disguise, stay disguised a little, but I still want to see if Sabine recognizes me. Sabine does not. She is very intent on kicking human ass at gambling. All right, cool. So I'm going to uh, go up to the bar, talk to Enzo. Brightfall, that's a really bad disguise. Go yeah, ahead. I don't know how to do it better. How would you suggest? Uh, what do you want? <laughs> I want to know if uh, you're... You obviously... Seems like you know who I am. Is that correct? No, but I'm figuring it out. Do you want to tell me who you are? Uh, well, I come from the, spor- the Stormspire... That's where I've heard your name. You're one of the noble houses of Stormspire. And he kind of, like, slaps his open palm on his forehead. Yes, but look at me. You know I don't belong there. Okay. What? You know I don't fit in there, at least. You're not wrong. Yes. Is that why you came to Night Vale? It's not not completely it. I'm wondering if you might have seen a half-elf that went by the same name. Esmond? Esmond Brightfall? No. Yes. I haven't seen a half-elf with that name, but this is a big city. If he came here, there's no reason he had to come into this tavern. Yes, you're right. Um, I just know he came here last, so I'm trying to figure out what might have happened to him. We, we didn't hear anything from him after he was in the city. Do you know what his purpose in coming here was? Never knew much what his purpose was. He he was a half-elf. He never felt like he fit in either. Mm. He just kind of wandered around. Mm. That is not much to go on, Brightfall. I know. I know. But I'm trying to do what I can. In case he might be dead, I'm trying to check with your gravekeepers to see if maybe they might have any record of, him, of his passing. All right. Well, um, that that's something. You want to find a gravekeeper? Yes. Which one? There are plenty in this city. Well, I've already met Tumba. Oh, you mean Tomba. Tomba, yes. Tomba. Tomba. Uh, I met him once. I should have asked him more, but it was my first interaction with the city, and a bit overwhelming, and I'm learning a lot as I go. Well, he, from my understanding, his assignment is the King's Square. So if you just hang around the King's Square, eventually he'll show up. Yeah, sounds good. I think I'll head there. I appreciate I appreciate everything you've done. And I'll I'll leave a just a gold on the bar. He nods and takes the gold. As you leave the tavern, you hear Sabine roar in victory and stamp her foot on the table as she's clearly bested the humans at gambling. <laughs> 
All right, you head out into the main square of the King's Square, and it's busy, it's bustling, lots of things are happening. What do you want to do? Uh, kind of hang towards the wall. Uh, grab a bite to eat, because it's been a while since we've ate. Okay. Do I see a vendor nearby? There are some pastry shops and a couple of other things. Around there are a couple of hot food carts that you can grab a bite to eat at really quickly. Yeah, I'll just grab something real quick. Okay. You... I would not stick by the wall. Alright, do me a favor. So you, you grab your food, and over the hours, you kind of people watch. Roll perception checks. Three of them, please. Alright, um, the top one is 20, and the other ones are 13 and 5. Okay, the 13, you notice a brown-haired girl in a plain dress scurrying across the main square with a large bag of dumplings and she seems to be in a great hurry this for some reason really stands out to you as an oddity in the traffic that's going on for the 15 you notice a halfling with golden hair and a large brown trench coat sprinting back and forth between the quill district and the market district several several times you notice it because it doesn't happen just once but multiple times with the 20 you see Tomba walking into one of the gardens across the square, and it looks like he just has his shovel and no body this time. All right, I'm going to go to Tomba. You walk across the square, and you hear the familiar sound of a shovel sifting dirt, and before you even get close to him, he kind of stands up and doesn't turn around and goes, Child, what are you doing here? I'm wondering if you can answer some questions for me. What questions? I... I came to the city looking for a friend of mine. But... I understand that the city is a bit rough. And I'm wondering if he's passed, if... Gravekeepers might have record of him. As you ask this question, you hear a child's laugh. <laughs> And the small blonde-haired girl with the black satin dress appears from behind Tomba. And Tomba's eyes get wide and says, Child, you need to let this go. Don't look for him. Why would I do that? He's the one family member I have that means something to me. There's a long silence. Tomba mulls over his thoughts. What if I told you he tried to cheat death? I'm going to take a pause and say that I didn't know him to be that type of person. And I assume he wouldn't make that kind of decision unless under great duress. It wasn't duress. He had the best of intentions. That doesn't change what he did. I'd still like to know his motivation. And what happened to him. I just want to know the whole story. I can't tell you what his motivations were. That's his story to tell. I can tell you where to find him. But you won't go there, child. Why not? Because he's in the Thieves' Guild. You won't find it 
no one knows where it is. And if he's not dead yet, one of us will bury him soon. So you're saying he, he might not be dead yet? I have not buried him. And the little girl next to Tomba laughs <laughs> and looks up at Tomba. He's not dead, but he's not in a good place. I appreciate your advice, but I hope you understand that I need to do what I need to do. It's about family. I wish I could tell you more, but we're not great. You're not a gravekeeper. I understand, and I appreciate all you've done for me. You've done more than most people in the city. Thank you, child. I also want to make sure you remember your promise. Stay away from these girl. You understand, correct? Yes, I see her, but how do I exactly stay away from her when it seems like she keeps following me? Don't engage. No one else can see her but you, and that's not a good sign. Then I will continue to not engage her, but I must continue on my task. You see that he relaxes a bit as you agree to maintain your promise? Also, one more thing, child. And he hands you a little locket. If you need to find me again, wear this and use the word Marita. I'll know you need me. Thank you. I appreciate everything you've done for me. Just keep your promise. I intend to. Have a good day, child. You as well. And then I will uh, head to the Thieves Guild. You have no idea where that is. I don't. So I'll probably go back to Esmond if he's still open. Enzo? Enzo. Sorry. You Enzo. Can just go right back to your uncle. Cool. I like it. <laughs> Found him. Roll, roll a luck dice. <laughs> yes. All right. So you go back into Enzo's tavern. Yeah. Uh, do you wear the locket or do you like tuck it in your pocket? What do you do? It's it? tucked in because um, I'm... Wearing my clothes, but I'm also have I also have a, a scarf as like a headpiece, so it's kind of hidden behind. Okay, it's hidden. As you re-enter the tavern, you notice that the raucous has died down and Sabine has left. <laughs> Sabine has left the building. Okay. Enzo is polishing glasses in his normal spot. Okay. I'll go up to the bar. Brightfall. That was quick. Yes, it was. Uh, Only gone a couple of hours. Did you find your gravekeeper? I did, actually. Uh, Lucky. Point me in the direction of the Thieves' Guild. Can you point me that direction? No. And his face turns white at your request. He puts down the glass. Brightfall, listen carefully. You don't want to go to the Thieves' Guild. Uh, I think I do. You think you do, but whatever reason you have for going there is not worth dying, and you will die a terrible death in the Thieves' Guild. Trust me. And why do you say that? It's the fucking Thieves' Guild. All they care about is money, sex trafficking, slavery, and no offense, but you're not exactly a hardened warrior. How long do you think you'd last in a den of wolves like that? I think I'd... I'd like to think I'd last longer than most. Maybe if you had your party. But you yourself would be eaten alive. Why well, have the money? 
I don't have the people and I'm not about straight or lying or deceiving, but I need answers. If you need answers, I suggest you talk to Diamond first. And he kind of writes down on a piece of paper a series of words that don't make sense to you and says, go ask your buddy Volk how to find Diamond. You may get some answers you're looking for. Well, thank you. This is, I appreciate all your help. I'm again gonna put another gold piece on the bar for him. He takes the gold piece and before you leave, he tries to stop you and says, Brightfall. You, yes. You need to stop making a habit of getting into business that's going to get you killed. I'm trying to avoid it. All right. So I'll argue that that was an afternoon and an evening. What would you like to do with the rest of your time off? Go back. I want to talk to Volk. All right. So you go back to Omni Repair, mm -hmm. and Volk is in his customary position. This time, his snoring sounds a bit odd as he's like. I'm gonna walk in, and <laughs> is his head down on the desk, or is he laid back in the chair? Oh, he's laid back in the chair, and uh, you can clearly see that the magazine this time is a dirty magazine. He did not put it away. Okay. I'm going to... Is it, like, over his face or on his chest? It's on his chest this time. Okay. I'm going to take the magazine and just kind of flip it with my finger so it kind of hits him in roll, the face. Roll a, roll a dexterity check. Or, or So roll athletics or acrobatics as as soon as you touch the magazine, he attempts to grab your wrist. All right. Um, let's see he, which is higher athletics or acrobatics. He's going to come at you with a 22 grapple check. Nope, it's... <laughs> I got 13. Okay. You attempt to grab the magazine off of him, and as mm -hmm. if... Just as if you were hitting a switch to start, you know, an engine, his hand comes up faster than, you know, light grabs your arm and says, Don't touch the magazine. It's not yours. It's quite dirty, though, don't you think? I mean, this is pretty placid compared to other magazines, and he reaches into the drawer trying to pull out other magazines. Ugh, don't bother. You're disgusting. I mean, you're uh, not wrong. Can, I need you to point me in the direction of someone. Uh, I think you might know the name. Maybe. Uh, Diamond? You mean Diamond? Diamond, yes. What do you want with him? We discussed my motives earlier. It's related to that. Oh, man. I'm getting a headache from this. Why won't anybody just let me nap? Ah, all right. You have an important job. Yeah, watching Omni Repair, which is what I was doing. Yes, but you also watch the people that work for them, right? Yeah, yeah. God, you're a real pain in the ass, Isby. You know that? I've heard that once before. I bet you have. All right, well, listen. Diamond's not exactly an easy guy to get a hold of. We're going to have to wait a couple days. All right, that's fine with me. So you see him pull out a very fancy piece of parchment write something on it and says, I'll be back. Go do something for a couple of days. Come back and we'll go see Diamond. All right? All right. Sounds fair. All right. So let's say you've got two days to kill until it's time to go see Diamond. I wouldn't have anything to do in particular. I'd probably just be hanging around. I'm, I'm sorry. I've realized going through my notes that I never wrote down the name of the tavern that I'm staying in. 
Is it Esme? Is it um, Enzo's or yep. you're in a, a different place? Nope, you're in Enzo's. All right. So I'd probably just be staying in Enzo's, hanging out the bar. Okay. So Would I see anything about uh, Sabine's deal? You So Sabine's deal happened off screen, but you do see her return with a flask. She is hard in she is very inebriated and doesn't notice you at all and any attempts you make to talk to her she just ignores you as many dwarves in gold flecked armor and several humans that you saw her gambling with are just cheering her name loudly so your two days go through somewhat uneventful outside of Sabine's you know (laughs) rampage of behavior yes and you head back to Omni Repair Volk is sitting at his desk and for once he's not napping and looks very serious as you enter so are we uh ready to introduce me to a new friend listen isby he's not gonna be your friend let me warn you before we actually go demon's a pretty nasty guy i wouldn't get involved with him if i didn't have to i've encountered some nasty folk before i'm still willing to go into this all right, let's get going. So it's nighttime, and Volk puts on a dark cloak and hands you a dark cloak as well. Do you take it? Yes. All right. Listen, Isby, do your best not to say anything until I've set up a rapport with Diamond, okay? Okay. All right, let's go. And you follow, right? Yep. So Volk takes you through the guild's district, all the way to the edge of the market, or all the way to the edge of the guilds district that turns into the market district. He suddenly takes a left turn down a street, heading towards the second tier of Nightvale. And while this is going on, you notice that most of the shops have closed up, and you get this really ominous feeling like you're heading down a hallway from your dreams. Down the street, you notice an inconspicuous stone building painted pale white. And there are several guards out in front of it. But they're not city guards. They have large metal gauntlets that have claws instead of fingertips on them. And large metal breastplates over black jumpsuits. And Volk says, Are you ready for a fight, Isby? I guess I am now. So at that point, he turns and becomes mist and disappears for a second. At the the sight of him turning into mist, you hear two large metal clangs. And the guards going, ooh, ah, ooh. Volk is in front of the doorway of the pale stone building and goes, never mind, I got this one. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I don't think they ever get tired of being beaten up. <laughs> I know the type. Yeah, me too. At that point, Volk kicks in the door, and you notice five guards dressed in the same garb without the metal claws attached, as this looks like a cafeteria or a common room where many of them are eating or playing card games. Volk magically makes a giant black sword that almost is comical or cartoon in nature as it's so huge, and just makes it appear out of the aether, points to each one of the guards and goes, now which one of you wants to play? All of them instantly get up and run through the door on the far right of the building. None of them try to attack you or Volk. Volk kind of looks disappointed at this. Well, they can't all be exciting. I know, but I asked them if they wanted to play, and nobody wanted to play. I'm kind of sad now. (laughs) 
It happens from time to time. At least you got a little bit from um, from the doorway. Yeah, you're right. And then the sword that he made appear instantly disappears into the aether again. He starts walking to a large door on the left next to a fireplace and says, All right, let's go see if Diamond's home. Do you follow? All right. Yes, absolutely. Okay. You follow through the door and you notice as you cross the threshold a small office with a lot of books and random folders and files. You notice, uh, and so as you come into this office, you notice a young man who is somewhat jittery as he fidgets around as Volk enters. His clothes suggest a very high status, and his heavy leather coat has a lot of black and white mo- designs on it. Looks kind of like a mosaic. He only has a small wisp of blonde hair that covers one dead eye, his right eye if you're curious. Volk approaches him and kind of sits on the desk in a very seductive manner and go, Diamon, did you miss me? The man replies, No, I didn't miss you. You've barely been gone three days. What do you want, Volk? Hi, I just missed you, man. And uh, also, I brought my friend here. She kind of has some questions. Would you mind answering them? Yes. Don't want to answer any more of your questions. Man, Diamond, don't be like that. You're embarrassing me in front of my friend. And he kind of waves you over, not looking at you, Isby. Yes, I'll approach. Okay. Is there anything we could do to persuade you? No. Go away. I don't think that'll serve us. I don't care if it serves you. Just go. I already... You can see him struggling with the words. Mm-hmm. Help. Why are you so reluctant? Why should I help you? I believe... Because I believe I could help you. This is a hard city. Am I not wrong? Do you... I have funds. I have connections. <laughs> he lets out a, a raspy chuckle. Did you even know who I am? I don't, but I know who I am. And I need help. And I believe you have answers for me. Perhaps. Let's make a deal. And he looks at Volk. A final deal, Volk. Oh, no. You can see Volk roll his eyes. I'm not doing that. Mm-mm. Nope, not gonna happen. What does he want, Volk? Oh, you know, just a... Uh... Demi Corgan tail is all. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's just one of the most vicious creatures in all of the material planes. Oh, surely you come with some other deal. I don't even know what you want, but that is what I need. Okay, I understand. Uh, does the name Brightfall mean anything to you? You see his eyes get wide at that. You're a bright fall. Um, I have knowledge and acquaintance. Does uh, so Esmond bright fall mean anything to you? D- d- don't ignore my question. 
are you a brightful? And you see Volk out of the corner of your eye give you a very stealthy no. <laughs> no, but the name means something to me. Esmond Brightfall. You can see him kind of rolling the name in his mouth. And after a couple of seconds of thinking, yes, that name is familiar. That is a expensive request you have. Your questions will cost a lot. What will they cost? What do you want to know about Esmond? Man, come on, we don't have time for this. Yes, I didn't expect to be playing such games. I am asking candidly, what do you want to know? I want to know if he's alive, and if so, where he's at. And if he's dead, where his body lies. Three questions. Three answers. Five hundred gold apiece. Um, lay three gold down. Just so we're clear, he said five hundred. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're I, good. Uh, my Wi-Fi is breaking up, and I've broken up a lot tonight, so I heard three. <laughs> I mean, you can uh, try it. See what he says. I don't. I don't have that. I have ninety-eight gold. Th- that will not do. Yes, and I, I must say, shame on you for not willing to give us any answers you may have that may serve to save someone's life. Because that's the purpose I'm here. If he's still alive, I would like to keep him that way. He gives another raspy chuckle, and you see Volk kind of make an embarrassed face at the comment you made. Where do you think you are? This- oh, I realize where I am. I still can keep my integrity to frown at the the way this society works. If you don't have the gold, I have nothing left to say. Volk kind of gives you the shrug of the shoulders as if he, he has nothing less, less that he can do. Do you have anything at all you can give me that might point me in a direction? Not for f- what do you want that I can provide? 98 gold sounds good. What are you going to give me for 98 gold? Point you in a direction. Well, I already have the direction of the thieves, thieves guild. Do you have anything more specific than that? Are you trying to lie to him? No, but now I have the I have the direction of the thieves guild from uh, right from Tuba. Did he give you the direction of the thieves guild? Yeah. Man, that was literally like twenty minutes ago. I totally forgot that. I'm taking notes, man. I'm taking notes. Where did he say it was? He just said thieves guild. Right, and but then he... I need to talk to Volk. Right, but he didn't point you in the direction. Diamond's offering a path. Oh, to the Thieves Guild. Or at least you, you wanted to be pointed in a direction so that you're not looking through the whole of Night Vale. He's offering yes. a okay. pointed direction for 98 gold. 
Well, I'll tell you that I need to have a place to stay and food to eat so I can offer you 50. And no more, no less. No deal. You want to help right for your pay 98 gold, I know it. Alright, I'll pay it. Okay, you pay 98 gold. He gives you a very toothy smile. The sewers of Nightvale is where you can enter the Thieves' Guild and die. And then he, you know, goes back to what he was doing. Writing in a piece of paper. Alright. Then I'm broke. Ah, don't worry about it, Isby. We can always work the corner together. I'd rather not, thank you. Alright, well, thanks. Maybe Eugene will work the corner with me. You're no fun. Yes, I... Um... Uh, Volk at this point begins to leave. And as... Uh, I assume you follow too. Yes, I will. As you leave, Diamond kind of coughs a little and says, Before you go, if you meet a man named Lassivorous, run. And you see a very horrific expression on his face, one you, he is not deigned to use the entire time you've been talking to him. I appreciate the extra bonus. All right. There you go. I'm going to argue that you're going to hang out. You're going to go back to Omni Repair? Yeah, and uh, after my stay is done at the tavern, I guess I'm in with, in with folks. All right. So we'll wrap this up with everybody's week is past, and you all get a good night's rest. And the, at the last day of the break, you enter. You all enter Omni Repair in the morning. All right. All right. Anybody have objections to this? We're gonna all wake up bright-eyed and bushy tails in the quarters because yep. I'm broke and I'm functional. And it's been a week, so you guys can head back to Omni Repair and next episode get more juicy information out of Fixstar. Well, everybody, I appreciate you for listening. I have been your story master, Scott Riley. I've really enjoyed this episode of Downtime with my party, and we're going to outro with uh, Logan Stormblast. Get him, Logan. Night, y'all. Followed by Ganem. JK, we're going to do Isby next. Good night, y'all. Now we're going to do Ganem. Sorry, I was muted. Good night. Good night. Uh, then Eugene. Mm, good night, fellow travelers. And Oz. Everyone, take care of yourselves. And last but not least, the conqueror of all human gambling, Sabine the Mighty. She's passed out. Good night, Sabine. Sleep well. Classic, classic Sabine. Classic Sabine.